Well, yeah, that's where we've been going. Where did we come from? That's where we've been going, but we need to find out where we've come from. I've been talking to you about purpose for the last several weeks. Hopefully, I've sparked something in some of your minds and hearts on what is your purpose. Do you know, do you know what your purpose is? And so we have tried to answer that question by starting at the beginning by answering that question there. Where did we come from? For you see, if we want to know what our purpose is for being here, do we not need to start there? We need to start there. Where did we come from? A quick review. In week one, we talked about how Satan has been deceiving since day one, since the garden, deceived Adam and Eve when they took that first bite, and ever since he's been deceiving mankind. Um, We then took a look at this gentleman right here, who is not real, but uh, fictitious, but the scientific community wants to uh, lead us to believe that he indeed lived, uh, Hamuneleti, and they believe that he is the missing link that they have been looking for, searching for, but what they did not tell us is that many of the characteristics of the skeletal parts uh, very closely resemble a species of trees swinging apes that we know existed as well. And I will say this, uh, I was talking to Quentin Swartz a couple weeks ago after our first uh, message on this, and he said, you know, if, if we are so closely related to apes, then why do they not use our blood, or we use their blood for blood transfusions, right? Uh, uh-huh. And I'll even take it a step further. Why don't we use their hearts for heart transplants, or for kidney transplants, or liver transplants, or whatnot? We talked about how important week one it was to believe in a literal view of the Genesis account, how to believe in a 21, 24-hour day. Number one, because it's the truth. And number two, it refutes what the evolutionist and what Darwin needs the most to defend their hypothesis, and that is time. They need time more than anything to defend their hypothesis. Some information I want to share with you just quickly here that I have not shared, but I'll insert this as we are reviewing. Let me remind you that Satan will do whatever it takes to deceive you and I. He'll do whatever it takes to make sure that mankind turns away from the inspired Word of God, the Bible. He will even use those within Christendom to help deceive. What do I mean by that? There are some that we know that are within the Roman Catholic Church that no longer hold to a literal view of the biblical creation account in Genesis. Pope John Paul II, who served as Pope from 1968 to 2005, he made the following statement when considering evolutionism and um, that what was in the scientific community. He said this, Fresh knowledge shows that physical evolution is more than just a hypothesis, giving credence and validity to those who are evolutionists. I watched a video this week that, man, just exploded my, in, within my mind and the things that I learned myself. And if I had time, 
I could expound and, and talk more on the conflict, whether or not you realize this or not, but on the conflict that arose when Martin Luther broke away from the Roman Catholic Church back in 1517. There is solid evidence and proof that many on the side of the Roman Catholic Church rose up and began an all-out attack on the Protestant movement, the Reformation movement. It's called the Counter-Reformation. And the church did everything that it could to denounce the wholeness and the completeness of the Bible. Because Martin Luther realized that it was no longer about paying money to the church to have his sins taken care of. It was no longer a matter of how many good works I can do to, accept, to gain acceptance with God. But he read where it says that the just shall live by faith. And when he read that, it came straight from the Word of God. And now that was birthed the Reformation movement based on the Word of God. And at that time, the Roman Catholic Church did not believe that anyone, the common man, the peasants, should even be allowed to look at the Bible, let alone try to interpret what it meant. And so from that moment, the Roman Catholic Church led a counter-revolution and did everything it could to take this down. Like I said, if I had more time, I could expound on that. Maybe we'll do that on some Wednesday but I will tell you this, that it was a Roman Catholic back in 1931 who instituted the Big Bang Theory. Interesting, isn't it? The Big Bang Theory. In week two, we looked at two faiths. We looked at creationism or evolutionism versus evolutionism. We compared each in the light of those three questions. When did life begin? Begin. How did life begin? And why did life begin? And if you missed any of those messages, I would encourage you to get a copy. And it might be some pretty good conversation to have around the water cooler with your friends at work. I personally believe that the evidence that we presented really has left just one clear choice. Next week, we're going to transition uh, into asking the question is, what is our purpose? What is our purpose for being here? Why are we here? But today is going to be kind of the final message on this series of where did we come from? And I want to add a few more thoughts. There was one more question that I wanted to add to that, a relatively easy question. How did plants and animals develop? How did plants take your Bibles and turn to Genesis? Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Chapter 1. But how did plants and animals develop? Well, first off, let's look at evolution. How does evolution, how does Charles Darwin answer this question? How do we get our plants and our animals? And as you're looking that up, um, this is how Charles Darwin answered that question right there. He said that plants and animals developed from a simple cell that evolved to more complex plants and animals through the process of time, chance, natural selection, mutations, and the survival of the fittest over a period of billions of years. I want you to look at that again. Those first couple words, a simple cell. That's how plants and animals developed, was when a simple cell evolved. Keep that in mind. 
Understand that this idea uh, was not uh, unique to just Charles Darwin. Um, men as far back as 550 B.C., before Christ, hundreds of years, I'm telling you, mankind has dealt with this question for forever. But even as far back as 550 B.C., you see, men would look at a puddle. And they'd go back to that puddle in a couple of days, and they'd see these little things all of a sudden that weren't there before, these life. What it was, it was tadpoles. But to them, that was proof that evolution really took place. Today we know that there is a process behind the whole thing, but they would reserve that or observe that and realize that there's some kind of evolutionary theory going on here and when that's just not true. How do we, the creationists, answer that question? How did plants and animals get here? We assert that God created all the plants and the animals and the kinds and the species, and let's look at what his word says. In Genesis 1, 12, or excuse me, 11 through 12, it says, Then God said, it will not be up on the screen, it will be in your Bible, obviously. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Verse 20. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament in the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth, were the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, according, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Simple. Most of us who are raised in church, that's the answer that we would give. Do you, do you know that there, is more than, there are more than 600 million different species of life on this planet? Now just stop and think about that for a second. When we start talking about millions and millions, my mind can't wrap around that. There are 600 million different species of life on this planet. Can you imagine the laws of probability, the laws of chance that had to occur in order to create 600 million different species of life? Something as simple as coal even proves creationism. What do I mean by that? Follow me with this. A number of years ago, there was an experiment that was done with two lumps of coal. One was supposedly 40 million years old, according to the evolutionary war, uh, world, and the other one was 300 million years old. 
Each lump of coal was radiocarbon dated. If you remember, they can detect how much carbon is in something, and that's how they determined how old it was. Now, based on evolutionary thinking, you would think that the lump of coal that was 300 million years old would have considerably less carbon in it than the one that was 40 million years old, right? You would just think that. But what they ended up finding is that both lumps of coal contain the same amount of carbon. Now, how is that possible? I'll tell you how that's possible. You see, when plants die, they fossilize over time. And this fossilization of plants eventually produces coal. So when you think about the flood and what took place, and when the flood came killed all the plants and all the animals and it killed all the plants and it laid them down and the plants over time died and then they became fossilized and they became buried in the different layers of the earth that we can see and over time all of those plants fossilized at the same time and would have the same amount of carbon that's how both lumps of coal had the same carbon you see even coal demonstrates the glory of our God. <laughs> How about some fallacies to evolution versus creationism? This is the part I was kind of anxious to share with you. You see, when Darwin looked at a cell through a 17th century microscope, he saw a cell and a nucleus. It looked very simple in its chemical makeup. Do you remember whenever I said remember that when we talked about the definition of, uh, from Darwin about how we got our plants and our animals? He started off by saying a simple cell evolved into a more complex cell. Listen to what he said about this process. He said that if it can be proven that his theory of life, having started from a simple cell, actually started at a complex, multiple cell level, his theory of evolution would break down. Did you get that? Let me read that again. He said, if it could be proven that his theory of life, having started from a simple cell, actually started at a complex, multiple cell level, his theory of evolution would break down. Okay, so let's look at that. Let's look at a simple cell. When Darwin looked through that 17th century microscope, it could only magnify two to three hundred times. But with today's technology, we have uh, microscopes that can magnify four to five thousand times the size. We now know that a single cell is so complex that supercomputers by our best scientists still cannot understand. There is so much complexity, so much design, so much information stored, now get this, so much information stored in just one single cell that we would have to expand its size to 15 miles just to see all the information. One cell. And then to think that this cell could replicate itself in just a few hours. 
Sorry, Darwin, your theory just broke down. Let's look at an amoeba. I'm sure this is the first time today that you have looked at a picture of an amoeba, right? Yeah, in church only. This, this kind of information jacks me up. This is fun. Uh, a single amoeba's DNA alone has enough information storage capacity to house the entire Encyclopedia Britannica a thousand times over. A thousand times over. That little weird looking thing right there can store an encyclopedia a thousand times over. What about the brain? We just took this to a whole new level. The brain consists of some 10 billion nerve cells. Billion. Each one of these nerve cells exudes between 10,000 and 100,000 connecting fibers, which allows it to make contact with other nerve cells in the brain. Thus, the total number of connections in the human brain is close to 1 million billion. Does that blow your brain? (laughs) Blow your mind, doesn't it? I have an experiment that I want to do with a couple kids. Kids, those of you who are like 7 to 8, 10 years old, can I, can I just get an experiment? Roger, you're too old. Oh, I thought you were saying yourself. Okay. Come on. Come on. All right. Yep, there's one. Give me a... Come on. All right. Come on. That don't work. All right, we're going to do a little experiment here. All right, come here, kids. Come on. All right, come over here. All right. I want you to get right here, right next to this pew right here, okay? Come here. And I want you to just right here leap as, hard, as, as far as you can leap. Okay, get over here, kids. We'll give him room. All right? No, so go in that direction. Go towards Pastor Kevin. Okay, bend your knees and leap. How far out can you leap? Try it. All right, there's one. All right, next. I'm going to measure this. Come on. See what you can beat that. Right my foot right there. Oh, not quite. All right, go, Reese. Ooh, no one's beat that yet. All right, Nate. Oh, Nate got it by about six inches. All right. Not quite. Okay, now what I need is I need you and you to stand right there. Okay, so they got about from that pew right to right here, okay? You come right here, stand right there. You kids come over here. All right. Stand right here. Stand right here in a line. Just stay right there. Do you know that from that point where the kids are, to this point right here, do you know that's how far a white-tailed deer can jump? 30 feet. I read that in your magazine, brother. 30 feet. Thank you, kids. You can uh, get back to your seats. Thank you very much. Any adults want to try that? Uh, just Bob, you better not. Roger. Uh-uh. Not without an EMT on, on hand, brother. Do <laughs> you believe that? Cheetah. That can run 70 miles an hour. Insects that can sleep for 17 years. We're getting ready to see those the next year, aren't we? Seals. That can remain underwater for 45 minutes and dive to depths of 1,500 feet. That's five football fields, folks. A seal can do that. 
octopuses that can shoot ink to scare their enemies away. They can eat their arms and then grow them back again. Falcons that can, that can dive at speeds of 150 miles an hour. Now get this. Some of you may know this. Some of you teachers may know what this next one is. You know what that is? That's a bombardier beetle. A bombardier beetle. Get this. When attacked, the bombardier beetle defends itself by blasting irritating and odious gases that are 212 degrees Fahrenheit out of two tailpipes. Now, wives, I know you're saying, know what you're thinking, wives. That's no big deal. Your husbands do that every day, right? (laughs) Can we not have a little bit of fun here in church? All right, we can have a little bit of fun. (laughs) Only in church did we learn some of this stuff. I lost you. Come on back. Oh, man, I just scratched the surface. These things just happen by chance, by probability. We have an amazing God, don't we? We haven't even touched on life in the womb. Wow. I could do another whole message on just the womb. Nobel prize-winning biochemist, Dr. Francis Crick, said this. An honest man, armed with all the knowledge available to us now, could only state that in in some sense, the origin of life appears at the moment to be almost a miracle. So many are the conditions which would have had to have been satisfied to get it going. Well, here's an object that we could talk about for a long time. The human eye. Listen to this quote on the complexity of the human eye. To suppose that the eye, with all its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus of different distance, for admitting different amounts of light and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration. You can tell a scientist wrote this and not Brock. To think that the human eye could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest possible degree. The belief that an organ as perfect as the eye could have formed by natural selection is more than enough to stagger the mind. Basically, they were saying to think that the human eye just formed over millions and billions of years by chance and by scum water producing life is more than... Do you know who said that? Charles Darwin said that. (laughs) Having doubts himself, he knew. Deep down, he knew. H.S. Lipson, an evolutionist of the University of Manchester Institute of Science and Technology, said this, I have always been slightly suspicious of the theory of evolution. I have tried to see whether biological discoveries over the last 30 years or so fit 
with Darwinian's theory? I do not think that they do. He continues, How has living matter originated? I think that we must go further than this and admit that the only acceptable explanation is creation. An evolutionist said this, I know that this is an anathema to physicists, a curse within the scientific community, as indeed it is to me, but we must not reject a theory that we do not like if the experimental evidence supports it. See, I want, I'm hoping some of these messages will empower you, will help you to realize that it's just not... There's truth behind it. The scientific world continues to support our God. Some scientists are now saying that there is an intelligence behind all of this. This belief is commonly known as intelligent design. Some of you may have heard that, intelligent design. They'll look at things like Mount Rushmore or the pyramids in Egypt. They'll look at the Great Wall of China. They'll look at Stonehenge. and They'll look at things like this and they'll say, if we can look at these things around us that are complex extremely complex, and know that they were made by man. The intelligent design uh, group says, then we should be able to look at those complex things that were not man-made, such as the origin of life, where did plants and animals come from, the earth and the planets and the galaxies. We should be able to look at those things that we know man did not make, and we should be able to conclude that there has to be an intelligent design behind it all. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But let me warn you again that as even more and more scientists raise doubts and even reject evolutionism, Satan is just redirecting their focus. What do I mean by that? Here's the point about those who are in the camp of intelligent design. Those who believe in that, they do not address who is the intelligent. Got that? They do not address who, when, how, or why. Most advocates of intelligent design are not Christians because they stop short, just short of pointing you back to the God of the Bible. They take you right up to the cusp of the issue and just kind of leave it dangling there and just allow you to answer the who about it. Another problem with intelligent design is that it does nothing to address sin. Sin and evil. And the consequences which are seen and experienced every day. You see, without the Bible and the story of the fall of man, which explains why there is so much pain and suffering today, one can be left believing that whoever designed all of this has to be a cruel, malicious, brutal, mean creator. And even with this newer hypothesis, can you hear Satan slither into the shadows? Just laugh. You see, he's sly and he's cunning. He will do whatever it takes 
Look, I'm even, Satan's, Satan's like, I'm even willing to allow people to think that there is an intelligence behind all of this. Let them think it, but just don't let it lead to God. Don't let it lead to Jesus Christ. Whatever it takes, don't let it lead to that. They want to think there's some kind of intelligence behind it? Fine, that's great. But let's leave them short of that. Listen, many of these scientists are smart, intelligent people. Good people as well. But you know what? They have the same thing that every human heart has. They have a sinful heart. doesn't matter how intelligent and how smart we think they are. They think they are. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin that causes intelligent people to say, I want to be the master and ruler of my life. Scientist who will say, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it and how I want to do it. Don't tell me that I was created by God because then I'm accountable to that God. And I don't want to have to answer to a God like that. I want to be my own God. Oh, I'm almost done here. Listen to what a famous atheist His last name was Huxley. Listen to what he said about Darwin. What Darwin gave us was an intellectual, feasible excuse to be free from the bondage of morality, sex, and politics, and be intellectually acceptable and do our own thing apart from God. Is that not it? For years, Satan has been deceiving mankind. Proverbs 10.4 says, The wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. Hmm. Listen, I believe that we have sufficiently answered the question, where did we come from? But before I end this morning, I want to ask you what we've been talking about these last three weeks and as we transitioned into more of what we believe God's purpose is for us. If you've been looking for a purpose in life, I encourage you to come back for the next several weeks. We're going to look at that. But what we've been talking about the last three weeks, what does it all mean? It means that you and I have two choices this morning. Now I know I'm talking to many people here. You've been born and raised in the church. Many people have made decisions for Christ, but maybe there are some of you who haven't. Many young people leave our homes today and our churches today believing in God, and they come back from four years of college unbelievers. It's incredibly serious, the issue that we're talking about. What does it mean? It means that this God who we believe created it all, we need Him. We need Him in our life. You need Him in your life. I go back to the simple A, B, C. We all need to admit and acknowledge that we need this God. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. For all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. 
That's A. B, it means that we need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We need to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And C, we must confess. Confess our sins before God. We have that choice or we can use the excuse that Huxley just told us about. We can hide behind people like Darwin or some agnostic or atheistic philosophy in order to live life how we want to live it. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've been living life however you've been wanting to live. Who knows? Maybe there's someone here this morning, you're doubting the very existence of God. I don't know. Let me lovingly say, if you reject the God of the Bible, if you reject his plan of salvation through his son Jesus Christ, you'll never truly know peace and contentment. Never. You'll do things your entire life to find and make your own happiness. Happiness is fleeting. But you'll never have that joy that joy that allows you to lay your head on your pillows at night and know that you know that you know. You'll always be living just to please yourself, never truly knowing why you were placed here or what your true purpose is. And you'll go to your grave searching but never finding. Listen, ultimately your purpose and my purpose found right here. It starts right here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's where your purpose starts. If you've not taken that first step, then you don't know what true living is. Someone once gave the translation, God so loved the world, that he gave his only, his only, his only. I have one son. I can't say that I would give him up for any of you, nor you, your children, for me. Isn't that where your purpose begins, right there? I'm going to end this morning with a video um, it's actually I think a song that I may have sung a year or two ago I don't know but the video just kind of helps bring it to life and talks about there is no doubt that there is a God if God is speaking to anyone this morning the altars are open um, I pray that you would worship him during this time as we close would you bow your heads please close your eyes Father God Lord, I thank you for the physical evidences that we can see in the world around us. Lord, you said in your word in Romans 1.20 that the invisible things are all around us. They are there for anyone to see and to acknowledge, to know that you exist. And if you exist, then what is your purpose? And your purpose is to come into our hearts, to free us from this bondage of sin to set us on a path of holiness and righteousness so that we can truly fulfill what we were meant to do here in this life. Lord, I thank you 
that you give us these things that just make our mouth drop open. But God, at some point in time, really none of that matters because none of those things can save us. It still comes down to faith. Faith. With everything that is within our hearts and everything that is within us, we believe that you are the Son of God. That we believe that, God, you raised Jesus from the dead. And that if we are to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will come, that you will save us, that you will set us on that path of purpose. So God, this morning as we conclude, if there's anyone here that's been touched by the Holy Spirit, I pray that they'll respond in the appropriate way, that they'll die to self. Lord, maybe the majority of us, who knows, I don't know, we just worship you. We acknowledge once again who you are and the greatness and the awesomeness of who you are. Thank you, Lord. Continue to lead us and guide us as we go down this path together. Stir my heart. Help me to know what it is you want of me. Yes, God. For Lord, all of us can say that it starts with me. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.